Welcome to the Simple Gospel Church Podcast. Raising a generation that will stand for Christ. Quickly, there's a seat in front of you. You know what to do? That's not... Maybe at the end of January, you stop waiting and you just do it. But if there's a seat in front of you, you're probably doing something wrong. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Are we happy to be in God's presence today? Say it like you mean it though. Okay. You're happy. Okay. Please read the topic on the screen there. Read it one, two, go. Forget defining your place, just the other one. One to read. What is a refiner's fire? Because you have to understand the topic before we go on, right? So fire does two things, right? Fire can destroy, but fire can also refine. Hmm? So fire can destroy, but fire can refine. Heat can destroy, heat can refine. So when we say refiner's fire, what a refiner's fire does is to make something better, to bring something beautiful out of something that might seem unbeautiful at first. So how many of us know how gold is made? Right? You can't get gold without fire. Right? How many of us know that diamonds are made from coal. It's just carbon atoms, right? But they are rearranged and they bring out that beautiful thing that you call a diamond. At its basic form, there's no difference between what you used to cook and what men will spend thousands of dollars on to buy when they want to propose to their wives. Right? They are the same thing. At their basic chemical what form but something has happened to one that has made it into something that is different something that is valuable and so when we say the refiner's fire called service what we are saying is that service is the fire right and it's supposed to make you into something and last week i started speaking about this particular theme and i just want to remind you of some of the things that i said can we open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 20, from verse 26 to 28? Matthew chapter 20, 26 to 28. It says, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your what? Your minister. And other versions will say your servant. Verse 27. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. I told you the background of this, this um, interaction. We find about a few interactions like this in Scripture when Jesus keeps telling his disciples that our goal here is to serve. And in this interaction, they were vying for position. Two brothers, James and John, had positioned some accounts who say that they got their mother involved. Some accounts omit their mother altogether. They don't contradict each other. You read both of them in unison to get full context. And so, Jesus has, when it became obvious that this Jesus is going to be an important person, right? Naturally, the people that are following him would want to position themselves, right, in positions of power. And so, if we make the assumption that Peter, through his vocal nature and the fact that he was the oldest among them, his own position was sure, right? Everybody has to sort of... And then, James and John try to, what, grab a position for themselves too. And The mother came to Jesus and said, when you get to your kingdom, let one of my sons sit on your left hand and let the other sit on your right hand. Now, for us that we live in 2024, you may not understand the value of what that request is. 
someone that sits on your left and your right, who are they? They're your counselors, right? They're your counselors. They're the ones that when you want to do anything, you say, okay, come. Eh? Should we do it this way? And if you think that all the disciples were not thinking like that, you are lying. Because the Bible says that when this thing happened, he angered them. Why were they angry? Because they too, they would have loved if Jesus granted that request. That's the end of the disciples. Do you know? I do fight. <laughs> and that's life, right? It's life. It is the bane of society. It's just natural for us that everyone wants relevance in life. Don't deceive yourself and say you just, nobody plans to be a nobody in this world. Anybody that says they want to be a nobody is deceiving you. It probably has ulterior motives. <laughs> nobody wants to be a nobody. It's inside us. And everybody wants to be someone. Right? That is what society is based on. Society literally developed out of people taking on different roles after leadership has been established. Read through history. Once leadership is established, Leadership now starts to what? Appoint. Oh, you will be in charge of this. You will be in charge of that. Because a society cannot function if people don't have things to do. Right? Mm -hmm. And then over time, we realize that, oh, wait. People cannot just do things without being qualified. Then education started. Education started in where? In Egypt. What was the purpose of education? To ensure that, oh, the things that needed to be done, there are people that are qualified that would do it. But education was not enough because everybody wants to stand out. If you put children in a playing ground and you leave them for a while, very soon, one of the children will start leading the rest. True or false? You don't need to teach them. These ones, let's put them in the playing ground with other children. Very soon, one will start leading what, the rest. If you give them ball to play, have you watched children play? If you give them a ball to play and let's say they kick the ball out, very soon you find out that they've designated somebody to be the one that will go and pick the ball outside when it goes outside. And it will just be reoccurringly that what? That person. Who gave the person that job? Who taught the person? Small child. It's just natural. I know in psychology, They'll say that, oh, this is not true, that individualism. So there's this thing called Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And they'll tell you that the, the initial needs of man are the physiological needs. So food, clothing, and what? And shelter. Then you go to safety and security. Then you go to social needs. Like Then, then the, the, the highest is self-actualization, right? But I know there are a lot of, there's even a lot of scientific research that has gone against that over time. They said it's not true. That man does not necessarily wait for all those things to be solved before they start yearning for what? Self actualization. Everybody wants to stand out in one way or the other. So let me give you an example. So there's an electric. Um, connection at the back here that connects into this church and connects to other places so far we've had about three or four different electricians come to fix it because it has had issues at every time and every single electrician that comes will say the way i do my own job i will not lie to you sir right this is what is wrong that is what is wrong they all learned the same thing right they all have this different skill levels. But each of them wants to prove that me, I'm what? I'm different. Is that self-actualization? Are you, can you say that man has solved all his needs? He has solved his food needs. He has solved his... No, he hasn't solved everything. But there's still something inside him that tells him that I need to be what? We're all electricians, but my own electrician is what? It's different. Check Every field, there's always something inside man that wants man to say, okay, I am what? I am special. I am different. And so our theme, finding your place, 
It's because there's something inside you that is telling you, I'm not just ordinary. Like, yes, even if I have five siblings, I'm not, we're not just a head of sheep, right? Even if I'm in my class or in my office and they employed all of us to do the same job, like, I should not just be one of the number. There must be something about me that makes me stand out. That thing, whether it has been killed or it has been suppressed, is from God. It's from who? God. He made you like that. So, it's not science or psychology that will prove or disprove it. The evidence is in the Bible. We can open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. I want to show you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God had before ordained, that we should what? Walk in them. Now, this workmanship word here, what's the original text means? This word does not really communicate it, right? The reason why is because, you know, a workman, you can say a carpenter, right? A bricklayer. Usually what those people do is repeated stuff. So you can tell a carpenter, okay, make 15 tables for me. And those 15 tables will probably look the same, right? You can procure a mass. And so you might have this mindset when you see this word. The original Greek, what Paul was communicating here is something akin to a creative masterpiece. Something that is one of a kind, right? Something that is one of a kind that when they make it, that's all. There are no two like that thing. So when he says that you are his workmanship, you are his created, creative what, masterpiece, God specifically designed you in a very unique way. And there's nobody else like you. And there's something inside you that knows that. And so every time you see yourself striving for individuality, every time you see yourself unsatisfied with where you are or what your life is right now, every time you see yourself yearning for something more, it's not just about salary. It's not just about money. You might deceive yourself that, oh, what I need is what? Is money. But those that have had this money, how come they are just giving it out up and down? Let's even call them satanists. Okay, fine, we agree. What's inside them is making them look at all their wealth and say, man. You read stories of people who in this life, they tell you that they started living well when they let go of their money. When they attain the heights that you are looking for, that you think is your problem. And when they got there, they found nothing. Because they are God's words. Creative masterpiece. You see stories of billionaires who give their lives to Jesus somehow and they go to the mission field in Africa and they start carrying bucket of water and helping children. And you interview the woman, interview the man, they'll say, this is where I found my own what? Fulfillment. You interview them, you tell them that my money was killing me. That here I get to breathe fresh air, relate to people. When I was there, security had to follow me up and down. I wasn't safe. Here, nobody knows me. Nobody knows my name. Nobody knows anything that I achieved. And so I can walk around and breathe the air. And not feel like my life is threatened because I've gotten something. But for you, you think that that's where life is. And that somehow is your target. Because you have lack. I'm not saying lack is good. I'm saying that your dreams need to be rearranged. Because what God... God will supply your needs, but God will supply your needs in the context of who he has made you to be. There cannot be another Elon Musk, I'm sorry. There cannot be another Bill Gates. There cannot be another anything. And so all these self-help books and self-made books or um, motivational things, I say, oh, if I, I made my wealth this way, if you want to become like me, do it like this. Take all those steps. You can never be like that person. That person is unique. And whether or not they've corrupted themselves with Satan, it doesn't make them any less what? Unique. Because God is the one that made them. 
And so why this is important for you is because Jesus is saying that for you to find your uniqueness according to the kingdom and not lose your soul eh? and not sacrifice your future for temporary success, you have to serve. You have to what? You have to serve. That's what he's saying. That's literally our topic for today. He said in this kingdom, those that will be great will be what? Will be servants. In another portion of Matthew, he was having one of his altercations with the Pharisees. And you know, Jesus, if you want to say he insulted them, he insulted them a lot. But he was just saying the truth, right? And I think Matthew 23, and he was talking to them. And when he finished talking to them, he turned over to his disciples and said, these people, they're just in a hurry for people to call them rabbi, teacher, teacher. Basically, what they want is what? The position. And then he repeated it again and says, those in this kingdom that will be master must what? Must serve. So for you to find your place in God, for you to be able to discover that thing that is unique about you, you will not find it in the office. I'm sorry. Because guess what? If you put your job on your head and you fall sick and you die because of that job, they will come to your burial if they want to, but they'll replace you next week. You see, people are even saying that my own timeline is too much. Right? So, you won't find what is unique about you when you are just a number. When you are just what? A number. And for almost every space in this world, apart from the kingdom, you are just what? A number. We are getting there too. You know, in advanced countries, you are a number. It's your social security number. Because they don't know you. They don't know who you are. Once you are in the system, okay, oh, there's another what? Another number. And we two are getting the BVNNIN. What is that? <laughs> it's so that you two, you become what? A number. Yeah, just another what? Figure in the census of Nigeria. Just another figure in the KPI of your office. The only place, the only person that truly cares about the unique, whatever your name is, unique Billy, is God. Because he's the one that knows how many hairs on your head. He's the one that formed you. He's the one that gave you the personality you have. He's the one that said you were going to be this tall or this short. He has determined it before you came here. And so why not serve him? Because it is in the process of serving him that you will find who you are. And if you go through scripture, you will find out that almost every example of greatness is an example of what? Of service. If not all. We don't tend to think, we don't tend to think of Joseph as a servant, but he served. He served in prison. His entire life after he left the comfort of his father's house, was what? Of service. And through that service, he was gaining work experience. So we tend to spiritualize things a lot, right? You say, oh, yes, yeah, it was his dream. No. He had to go through that process. When he got before Pharaoh, he said that there will be seven years of plenty and there will be seven years of what? Of lack. And in the seven years of plenty, you have to save. So he was the first banker. Because that's what banking is. Right? And then, in the seven years of lack, you have to what? You have to now start rationing. So he was the first economist. Right? Because that was economics what is. But how did he know that? That was the solution. Because throughout his life of service, he has experienced managing plenty and managing lack. In Potiphar's house, Potiphar was a governor, right? 
was a highly esteemed person. So Potiphar had a lot of things. Who was the manager of the house? Joseph. And then they sent him to prison. In prison, there's what? There's luck. Who was the manager of the prison? So he had had experience doing both. True or false? And then he came out and he managed Egypt. Is it a coincidence? No. It's not. David, you don't think of him as a servant, but who was Saul's armor bearer? It was David. Saul, the rejected one, I'll be the one that David served him. Saul, the flawed man, that we know that the kingdom is not for him, it's actually for David. David served him. He served him. Faithfully. Without once thinking to, even when he knew that that thing is my own. If it's us, we'll have killed Saul. And when you kill him, you say, oh, God said I'm next. Is it a lie? It's not a lie, it's true. We human beings were somehow. But David was such a strange man. Because what? It was strange. Because it was not for lack of opportunity. At some point when he was hiding in the strongholds and Saul was looking for him, I couldn't find him. When we read those portions of scripture, we kind of have to understand how Israel is. The idea of a stronghold is that it's difficult for you to what? To access it. Because it's on a hill. And because there are holes in what? In caves. So you cannot, they can tell him David is in this particular region. But before you find the particular cave that David is in, it will take some time. And so Saul was in that place. And you know, the Bible says he was screaming, right? He was shouting for David. And David didn't come out. And then in his frustration, he shall have slept off. And David came out and saw Saul right there asleep. And what did David's companions tell him? Ah, God has delivered him to your hand. He has delivered him to your hand. Just kill him. And David said, I can't put my hand on the Lord's anointed. Lord's anointed that was already doing spiritual consultation. <laughs> Lord's anointed that has walked away from God since. David what? Served him. Served him. I talked about Joshua last week. Joshua served Moses. Elisha served Elijah. The twelve, they served Jesus. They served Jesus. All those things that Jesus will say, okay, go and get the donkey from here. What is it? Service now. Oh, go and prepare the upper room. Is what? Service. Oh, make the people to sit down in 50s. You know what? It, you know, we just read scripture sometimes and we just glance over. Do you know how long it will take to arrange 5,000 men? But they didn't even name women and children. And they should arrange them in what? In 50s, groups of 50s. Small arrange the chairs in the hall of 100 people. Some people are already sweating. <laughs> it's true. Right? Even this place, how many chairs? Uh, let's arrange the chairs. Uh, you know what it means to make 5,000 plus? Because if you extrapolate, right? In Jewish culture, you're an adult by 12. The males are adults by what? By 12. So let's say some of those 5,000 men, their wives have died. Right? Even if you want to say that half of them, their wives have died. Right? The remaining half still had their what? Their wives. It's just me doing some math for you. So let's say there are, two, and I'm sure there are more. Let's say there are 2,500 what? Women there. And make the assumption that those 2,500 women had like one child, of which is definitely not the case. But let's, you know, let's balance for the ones that don't have. That's under 2,005 what? Children. So at least there were 10,000 people there. And the disciples had to sit them all down in what? In 50s. Is that no service? Service, no. So they served their master. They served him. Witness or not, they served him. The deacons in the book of Acts, 
They were elected to what? To serve. That was their job description. To serve. And it is not a coincidence in all these examples that I'm giving you that service, faithful service, usually leads to upliftment. Hmm? It's not a coincidence. Unfaithful service would lead to disaster. But it's not a coincidence that faithful service always leads to what? Upliftment. People find their place in the process of what? Of serving. It was in the process of serving that Samuel got called in the house of Eli. Right? Or do you think he was in the temple just resting? No. It is in service that you find your place. This is a spiritual truth that the world cannot understand. Are we together? The world will tell you to discover your uniqueness. You have to do some things. You have to explore. There are a lot of psychological things they will tell you. Now, oh, to find out what's different about you, you need to find out your personality type, have you? Whether you're a flag, you're a choleric, you're a this, you're a that. There are other INFJ, INTJ, INPJ. The world is obsessed with what makes me different, right? We're obsessed with it. It's God that put it there. It's just being twisted by the devil. It's not a surprise that all these knowledge areas in psychology, they make the most money. They make what? Money. Because people will take those tests. Why? Because they want to find out what's different about them. What makes them special? And the devil knows too. And so the devil introduced the world to astrology. Why is astrology so popular? All these uh, Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, Star, whatever. Why is it so popular? If it was just on its own, like if they just said, okay, it's a Scorpio or it's a Leo, and there's nothing personality attached to it, it will never be this popular. Right? Why is it this popular? Because they now said, okay, if you're a Leo, this is how you are. These are the, this, this is your attitude to things. They even have some mixtures. They say there's sun and there's moon. Something rising. So, oh, God. And there are people that are what? They live by that. Though. Almost any co- comments. Uh, there was an interview with a the comedian recently that exposed the whole of Hollywood, basically. And I, on, on, on the comments... One of after you read all the comments, someone wrote, "This guy is a true Libra." Is a true what Libra? Because they know when he was born, they've done. They say, oh, "Yes, he's a true Libra." Why? Because all the things he's exhibiting, right? It's a sign of what someone that was born in the month of the Libra. Come on now, but I don't blame them. Why? Because everybody is looking for what makes me what different. That I just don't want to be like everyone. It's frustrating to just be like sheep. We're not animals. God didn't make us like animals. And so nobody is going to ever be satisfied just being one of the number. But what I'm saying is that as a Christian, you do not find out what is different about you outside of him. Nothing outside of him can show you. He's the only one that can. And the only way he shows you is service. Is what? Service. It's service. So daddy usually says you cannot rise above your seed. It's true. You also cannot rise above your service. Scripture shows us. You can't rise above your service. Because Jesus himself said it. He said that what? Even him, the son of man, he didn't come to be ministered to. But what? But to minister to all by giving his life for for many. So if Jesus says that about himself, then who are we? And it is that his ministration that gave him a name that is above what? Every other name. So Jesus too, he did not rise above what? His service. 
It was the quality of his service by sacrificing his life that gave him the greatest name in existence today. Right? So it is true. You cannot rise above your service. It's a statement of fact. And so, why do I call service a refiner's fire? Because number one, service would make you very humble. Right? True service will bring humility to you. Because a proud person cannot serve. Because the thing is that there will be some things that will be too big for you to what? To do. But remember I said last week that you are not a volunteer. You are a servant. A volunteer works at his own time. He's doing it voluntarily, right? So a volunteer can decide to stop at any time. A servant doesn't have a choice. Because the, on the other side of service is a master. And to call someone a master means that what? The person has full and total control over you. And so we see with Jesus, there are different aspects of him. Right? But usually some of the popular ones are what? The lion and the lamb, right? And the savior and the Lord. Those are two sides of the same person. And for Christians, the most difficult part is the lion part. And the Lord part. And so the lamb was the one that was slain, right? And the savior was the one that died for the world. And Christians, it's easy for us to accept Jesus as our savior. But you see, Jesus is not just your savior. He's also what? Your Lord. He's also the lion. And to accept him as Lord means you do what, what? You do what he says. When we bring it into ministerial terms, right? And almost any other terms, things are very funny. Do you know there are people that have church in this Lagos and God is sending them to a village in Kano or something? And they are saying no. That because Lagos is where the people are, they will be here. And their blessing hmm, is in that village in Kano. Because that's just what Jesus wants. And you cannot question him, right? And until they go there, they'll continue to struggle. They'll continue to struggle. Why? Because Jesus is what? He's Lord. He's Lord. And it's the same for everybody, whether you're a pastor or not. There are some things in your life that God will say, okay, this one is an instruction for you. Go and do it. It's not going to be comfortable. But you have to do it anyway. That's service. Service will make you what? It will humble you. To humble you. Because Jesus, he would always try to take away all your other gods. You know, you can say it with your mouth. Oh, I will not worship any other gods. I will never worship mommy, God, mommy. Sing, sing it all you want. Sing it all you want. That's not Jesus' business. By the time you want to start serving him, ah, he, will, he will look for your God. Though. And he will say, okay, that God, take him away. And so a young man came to meet Jesus and the Bible says he was rich and young. He says, oh, master, he said, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? So, okay, give him the commandments, the one that pertains to man. Oh, do not steal, do not kill, do not defraud your neighbor. And he said to Jesus, I have been keeping this one since my youth. Like, give me something else. And the Bible says, and Jesus considered him. He looked at him and what? He loved him. So Jesus did not tell him this thing out of spite. He told him out of what? Love. And then he told him, okay, take all your possessions, sell it, give the money to the poor, come and what? And follow me. And there was what? Problem. There was what? Problem. Why? That was his God. 
Have you read the story of what happened when Elisha was called to follow Elijah? Let me show you. We're still talking about humility. Let's open to our Bibles to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to read from, I want you to read from verse 19. 1 Kings chapter 19 from verse 19. It says, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen. How many yoke of oxen? Twelve. Before him. This shows that Elisha was not a poor man. Right? And he went with, and he with the twelve, and Elijah passed him and cast what? Cast his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? Verse 21. And they returned back from him, and he took a yoke of the oxen and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. And then he arose and what? Went after Elijah and what? Ministered unto him. Elisha quit his job to become what? It's about. This takes humility. But he knew who was calling him. And the way he quit it was he made sure he had no, nothing to go back to. He killed the oxen. He took the instruments of the oxen to what? To boil the oxen. He gave people to what? To eat. So he said, okay. So, when the temptation arises, go back to your business. So, perhaps if Peter destroyed all his fishing equipment, <laughs> the day that Jesus called him, maybe he would not have been tempted to go back to what? To fish. For Jesus to come out, to come and call him again. Because it takes what? It takes humility to serve. And service will make you what? Make you humble. To humble you. Whether it's in the house of God or when Jesus is dealing with you directly to humble you. Because there's no big man in church. Hmm? At least there shouldn't be. Some churches have created systems where some people are celebrated. Maybe because they have money. Maybe because, you know, they are giving to the account. It's wrong. If you are celebrating someone because they have finances, you are destroying that person. Because you are making the person proud. The Bible says God resists what? The proud. So how will you as a spiritual leader just use your two hands to destroy another human being simply because the person has naira and cobble? It doesn't make sense now. Service should make us what? Humble. It should make us humble. And that's why it's a refiner's fire because humility is a problem for most people. Service will also take sacrifice. Hmm? You sacrifice your time. You would also sacrifice your comfort. You sacrifice your what? Comfort. Because, you know, it is not a sacrifice if you do it just when it's comfortable for you. Are we together? If you do something when it's convenient for you alone, then are you sacrificing? You're not. If you're saying, if you say, come and do something, say, wait. Wait, I'm coming. When I have the time, I'll come out. I'll come and do it. Then you're not obedient. Let's not imbibe the, what I call the new wave of Christianity. Right? It's not true Christianity, but it's in a lot of churches. A Christianity that preaches that you can serve God in full comfort. Some churches even try to structure their services and they tell you that we structured our service so we don't stress you. No, me, I want to burden you. That's my own plan. Because if you do not spend your time with God, who are you going to spend it on? And so some will say, oh, we've removed Sunday school from our service, service um, catalog because we realize that it's a burden to our members. And we want them to be able to come and just fellowship with God for one hour, one hour, 30 minutes. 
and then they can go home and get on with their business for the day. Yeah. Okay. You can't serve God without discomfort. Amen? Are we together? Is it true though? As a church on the island, very popular, they grew very fast. And I'm very sure that there's something else there. But if I say it now, you say I'm throwing shade. But it's the truth. Because they are teaching wrong things. And their service is supposedly one hour. I say, no, come just for one hour. It doesn't take too much of your time. What are you? Just close the church. It's just one hour. Just come. And we don't collect tithe and offering here. Just come as you are. Come and worship your God. Yeah. Okay. And it's full. Why? Because people want what? Serve God at their own convenience. Okay. And you know, in that church, there are still some people that that one hour is even what? It's too much for them. Because that's just life. If you give human beings a small hole like this, what would they do? They would tear it and make a chasm. It's just that how it is. If you lower the bar, somebody will say, ah, why, can't we, why can't we do service for 30 minutes? It's true. After all, some people will say that, oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. Why? I don't feel like. So you think that person will not enjoy a 30-minute service? But they can just pop in, wave their hands, pop out. If there's no discomfort, read. <laughs> you think God did not, in air quotes, stress the children of Israel? If you want to call it stress, that's what I said in air quotes. Ah, he stressed them all. By your own definition of stress, he what? He stressed them. Those people did a lot. And it was still not enough. And when they do any hour for like five minutes, okay, I'm sending your enemies. Because you disobeyed me. They're coming to take care of you for a while. It's, it's the Bible. I was reading Habakkuk recently. It's not a funny book. And Habakkuk will pray a prayer to God. Now, God and Habakkuk were not even on the same page for like the first part of that book. Why? Habakkuk was saying, Lord, there's too much wickedness in this land. Like, the wicked, Israelites too, the same Israelites, the wicked are what? Are tramping on the righteous. Things are, un- things are unfair. And God's response is, I'm sending the Babylonians to come and capture you. Read it. They are coming, oh, their horses are swift, like wolves. And Habakkuk is like, but God, this is <laughs> I say solve the problem. And God is saying, well, that's the solution. The solution is you people need to go on exile for a while. <laughs> so that we can reset your what? Reset your brain. I will not give you a false idea of who God is. This is our God. Hmm? He didn't change you. It remains the same. It's just that Jesus has died. So the ground is no more opening up to swallow people. But you know all those things. He's still a loving what? God. All those things. His love is still in it though. God's love is terrifying. Is what? It's terrifying. If you really understand God's love, you will know that ah, for someone to love this much, if I don't respond correctly to this love, I'm in trouble. That's the love that God has for us. It's not the kind of love that we hear in Christian circle today, oh, God loves us. No. It's terrifying. So the third thing that service will do as I close this morning is service will reshape your character. It's what? To shape your character. It's to reshape your what? Character. And it's necessary. You know that if Moses did not run away to Midian, he might not have been able to hear from God. He probably wouldn't. Because Moses in Egypt was a prince. Yes, he recognized that his people were suffering. He was trying to solve it by his own own sense. So he killed an Egyptian. He was trying to settle fights between his brothers. And that situation was orchestrated to chase him out. Chase him out to a place where he's a nobody. Is it what? Is it nobody? Because in the comfort of the palace, Moses will not see a burning bushel. 
e um ser born in bush. And so something had to happen to him. He had to become a different person. He's still the same Moses. But God had to take him through an experience. Same thing with Joseph. The Joseph that was, let's be honest, his father spoiled him small, right? It's what I did. Because he loved him. He said he loved him more than what? Do you think that Jacob was qualified to make Joseph the person that needed to what? To rule Egypt. Jacob did not have that qualification. Both educationally and otherwise. Both emotionally too and otherwise. Because he loved this boy to an extreme. And so God looked at the situation and said, this one needs training, you know. He needs what? Training! His character needs to be what? Reformed. He needs to shape in him. And by the time he became that prime minister, his brothers could not recognize him. Not just by face. By character too. Because they thought he was going to kill them. They truly believed that what we have done to this boy, if he says he wants to kill us, we can't complain. Right? And Joseph said, no. Why? Something has what? Has changed. He was not the same person. He wasn't the same person anymore. And that what service does. It will change your character. There are some things that will never leave your life if you don't serve. Because when you serve, you truly see yourself. And all the misconceptions that you have about yourself and your potential and your all the lies that have been told to you by motivational speakers and scientists or scientologists, you will see yourself when you serve God. You see who you really are. Amen? You see who you really are. You realize that no matter what you say you are in this life, as long as the criteria is defined by this world, there's someone better than you. Hmm? So, I'm a computer scientist. No matter how good you are, there's somebody what? Better than you. Call whatever profession you want to call, as long as the qualification is defined by this this earth that I'm using my feet to stamp. There's someone better than what? Than you. The only person that can truly bring out who you are, that what no, what you have that nobody else has in this world is God. And you have to let him do it. And that's what service does. Service refines us. Makes us who we really are so that we can find our place in him. We need to take this in. Hmm? Because sitting down here might be the next great philanthropist of the world. We don't know. Eh? Sitting down here might be the next great anything. We don't know. Are you listening to me? I don't know your future. But you will never find or get to that future without service. In the place of service, God drops a vision in the heart of some people. Not pastors, ordinary, what you call ordinary words, Christians, right? And he drops something in their hearts. And they go on to do extraordinary words, extraordinary things. Why? Because they humble themselves and the words they serve. Kenneth Higgins' son-in-law was not the person that the daughter initially wanted to marry. The person she eventually married, Kenneth Higgins' son-in-law, was the person that was always polishing Kenneth Higgins' shoe. Polishing is what? Shoe. That's the person that became the husband of the daughter. I, do you want to tell me that there were no other big ministers in that ministry that liked his daughter? Do you want to tell me? He wasn't in active ministry. He ended up opening business. The publishing um, company. So he wasn't a pastor or anything. He found his place in the place of what? 
service. See, it's a principle of the kingdom. You can't break it all. Those that want to rise must what? Must serve. Please, let's rise up. Let's pray. Hallelujah. I want you to open your mouth this morning. And I want you to talk to God and say, Lord, make me a servant. So take me where you want to take me. Help make me a servant, Lord, today. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you make me a servant, Lord Jesus. Make me a servant. Make me one that is committed to serving you and doing your things, Lord Jesus. Because that is where my blessing is. That is where my prosperity is. That is where my establishment is. That is where all that you have for me, that's where you put it, Lord. Make me a servant. Make me a servant, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. And Father and our God, we give you glory and honor. We exalt your holy name, Lord. We thank you. All that you have said and done for us today. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. The Simple Gospel Church is a church arm of World Impact Ministries, dedicated to taking the gospel all over the world.